Are we ready to go? Yes, Yanni. Um, Or Yaki, even better. Yaki the Tickler? Yes, Yaki the Tickler. (laughs) (laughs) That I blew your mind that I knew who that was. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. It's episode uh, 179 of Longbox Heroes After Dark, colon, slash... Soon to be named Movie Club Roman Numeral Four, Last Action Hero Todd and Joe, uh, joining you here this evening. Mm-hmm. Ready or, to go. Right, ready to go. Much anticipated uh, discussion of Last Action Hero. Got a lot to talk about with this movie. Oh, I I'm saving it for when we start that discussion. Right. I don't want to tip any of my hats. <laughs> Again, I don't know how you get multiple hats on while you're supposed to be wearing, supposed to be wearing headphones. Multiple tiny hats. Multiple it's the, tiny it's the hats. legends. It's the legends, you know, approach. Um, but I have a story to regale everyone with very quickly. So uh, last week I was uh, indisposed because I had to get a root canal done. Right. Uh, we had discussed it on After Dark last week. And in between the recording of last week's episode and this week's episode... Uh, I had the root canal done. Now, we're going to tell this story backwards uh, with the, some of the new information that Todd doesn't know. Oh, good. So when the doctor who did the root canal did the root canal, they have to uh, gimmick you up with, like, a clamp and, like, a thing to put over your tooth so it's isolated and keep your mouth open, the whole thing, so they can work on you, right? Mm-hmm. Well, apparently when he put the clamp on... He really, really messed up my gums. Oh. And, like, not in, like, a way that's, like, um, permanent damage being done. Mm-hmm. But it's making repairing the, the next steps harder because of how swollen the area is that they're supposed to fix. Are you saying your face is even puffier than usual? No, it's not puffier, just I'm a lot more pain and a lot more discomfort than I was a week ago when the root canal was supposed to resolve all that. See, I don't think it was the clamps. Yeah. I think it was your scurvy. Oh my goodness. (laughs) No, I I, I eat a relatively healthy diet. I'm almost kind of sort of teaching myself not to eat as much as I used to. Wow, nice. I, uh... Well, that's that's a whole top that's a whole topic of conversation for another day. Um, yes, it is. So they had to they were still waiting on the replacement um, parts uh, <laughs> crown to come in. So I just have a mm-hmm. temporary there. Right. So I didn't just have like a stinky, bloody gum hole. <laughs> and I I swear for the first two days after the uh, the root canal, the reason I felt so bad was because I swallowed way more blood than anyone should swallow. Mm. Right. I That's... like to keep my blood swallowing to a, you know, a, a, a minute amount. Right. Zero or less. Right. Unless I'm eating, like, a very rare steak-on-steak dinner. Mm-hmm. When you're cutting into the steak, it's still mooing. <laughs> That's right. Right. So, let's get into my adventure of... Getting my uh, root canal, the actual day oh. of that. And I also want to just throw this out here. I put it in the episode description of last week's episode. Uh, 
as I was going in for my root canal, the news came out that Bruno San Martino passed away. And Bruno San Martino holds a special place amongst <laughs> these podcasters. So Todd could say his two famous lines as repeated by Dave from the comic book shop, as repeated by the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, also rest in peace. Right. Would you like me to do it now? I would, yes. That was that was your that was my uh intro to do the two lines, yes. That's right. That wrestler out there reminds me of a wrestler I knew in my heyday by the name of Bruno Sammartino. <laughs> Moving like a slow block eye. No, no, it was he was talking about Eddie Guerrero. He said oh. and then and then he follows it up by okay. saying Eddie Guerrero is moving like lightning. His opponent, whomever it was, is moving like a slow block of ice. I totally messed it up. But you got the right part how uh, Dusty Rhodes said that Eddie Guerrero reminded him of a young uh, wrestler who I knew in my heyday by the name of Bruno Sammartino. Very excited about that is Dusty. (laughs) So, uh, I go in uh, for the root canal, and uh, I go back to the doctor. Now, again, I have to to tell the story in this way. (laughs) Okay? The doctor uh, was... Uh, Indian, uh, you know, from like India. Right. Okay. Comes in, shakes my hand, introduces himself. Not going to say his name for reasons you're about to find out. He says, can I call you Joe? Absolutely. Now he looks like he's a, he's a guy maybe like in his late forties, you know, maybe early fifties. And then he asks an assistant there, right? Mm -hmm. Assistant looks like she's maybe like around the same age, maybe a little bit older. Right. Right. So he starts ribbing her while he's working on me, saying that she is his grandmother. <laughs> oh. Okay? And right. he says, come on, let me have this. It's my first chance to be white. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so uh, he keeps ribbing her about this, and he's looking over my chart, and he says, oh, you were referred from XYZ doctor. I see your wife is a hygienist there. And he goes, he goes, aren't hygienists the fucking worst? <laughs> now, I'm not exaggerating to throw the swears in there. That's what he says. <laughs> right. And so I just start cracking up. And he goes, you go tell your wife that I told you that instead of uh, floss to use toothpicks instead. <laughs> yep. And I said, I don't need to tell her. And he goes, you look, you, he goes, you look at the look on her face when you say that to her. I go, I don't need to do it. I've seen the look on her face mm-hmm. when, you know, toothpicks and everything else has come up. And then I did tell him the story of the time that we were out to, to the movies, myself, Todd, April, I'm not sure who else was there. Right. They're not principal to the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to go see the Black Swan. Todd got a giant movie-sized box of Sour Patch Kids. Watermelon. Wa- watermelon Sour Patch Kids. Yes, miss. That's the only kind I eat. But oh, you didn't get the mixed bag? Oh, that's for rubes. The All watermelon's right. where it's at. And my wife practically slapped the bag <laughs> of candy out of Todd's hands. And that is a running gag to this day every time I see her. Black Swan is a 73-year-old movie, and we still bring it up. That's right. I literally, when I came over for WrestleMania this year, I brought, uh, this time, Swedish fish. <laughs> so I tell him that story, and he goes, see, I tell you, hygienists are the fucking worst. <laughs> All right. So uh, he con- he continues on. Uh, you know, he's going through the stuff and, uh, you know, getting everything prepped in my mouth. 
and he says, uh, when you go out to the front desk, uh, tell so-and-so out there, because he's continuing to rib the assistant that she's older than him, old enough to be his grandmother. Right. Gentle ribbing all around. Right. Um, he says, say to the, say to the person at the front desk, how well you could see her crow's feet when she takes her glasses off. <laughs> now, I'm all gimmicked up. I've got the clamp in. I've got everything. I, my mouth is, like, pried open. So I, like, wave off. Like, no, 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 I'm not going to say that. <laughs> and he goes, come on, you can get away with it. You're white. <laughs> all right. So he's doing his work, and he's saying his dental terms, like, oh, it's in this quadrant, and R3 needs a blah, 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 right, right? Mm-hmm. So continuing the ribbon of the uh, assistant that she's older, grandmother, and everything else like that. And she's like, oh, come on, ha, 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 laughing it off. And then he proceeds to call her a racist bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. So I'm no, I'm no, he gives me like three shots of Novocaine. I'm all gimmicked up and everything. I, I can't feel a thing. He's working on me. You know, you, you smell that great smell of the drill going into the tooth. Oh, I love that. Burning tooth is the best. And he says to me, he goes, uh, Joe, you don't have to worry about it. You know, if this gets to be too painful, I'll just give you one of those Cosby pills and you'll forget about all this. <laughs> now. At least he didn't give you the Michael Jackson pill. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there was a cup of wine on the desk. I'm just saying. <laughs> Boy. Now, I couldn't make this stuff up if I tried. Right. This is all the things that happen. Now, I have no problems with any of these things. Obviously, it was to lighten the mood. But mm-hmm. I can't imagine that he does this same routine <laughs> with every patient that's in his chair. The, you had the 9 o'clock show. There's the 10 o'clock show. <laughs> I think he looked at me, sussed me out, and said, yeah, I could go hard on the racist, sexism, <laughs> ageist. Yep. Here's here's Joe Neckbeard supposed to. <laughs> He's checking his phone, weeping over Bruno San Martino. <laughs> oh my god. You're like, give me that Cosby pill right now. <laughs> I want to believe Bruno's still with us. But yeah, so that was and I I and the girls out at the front desk and the hyg- or the uh, assistant and everything are like, "Oh, Dr. So and so is quite a cut up, isn't he?" I go, oh, he's working on his five minutes for a stand-up, huh? And they all got to laugh out of that. Right. They asked about my wife, because she works at the other office. I said, well, you know, she works these days. She has Fridays off, but she has to work a half day on Saturdays. And uh, he comes up behind me, puts both hands on my shoulders, and says, hear that, girls? Friday's off, but you're all fucking coming in on Saturdays now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, to say that this guy was fun... Was an understatement. Right, it almost makes me forgive how much he mangled my gum with the clamp. And which was still the scurvy. Right. And and also, I don't believe Bruno San Martino's dead, Joe. No? And you know why. Uh, Do you know why? Because I never got the picture of uh, action figures of wrestlers who've already passed on uh, greeting Bruno San Martino in heaven. And I'm not going to go searching for it. Just see. Till I get one? He's still alive as far as you're concerned. He's still alive. Right. So. Oh, boy. All right. So let's get down to business. The tax that are brass. Right. We're going to talk about Last Action Hero. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Uh, now, this is a movie, as I mentioned before, that I have a very, fo- a very fond memory of. Mm-hmm. Uh, loving this this movie very much uh, in my younger days. So, I guess your thoughts on the film, and then we can kind of get into things, kind of just running along, uh, you know, discussions, thoughts, etc. All right, just to start out before we get into anything, I, I, this was also a movie that I loved back in the day. So going in, this is something that I've seen before. So it's not like, oh, like Joe surprised me with this flick. I've never seen it before, but I love this flick back in the day. And I, as I watch this again, I still love this movie. This movie is better than I remembered. It has a genuinely good, like, like lethal weapon, die hard, blah, blah, blah blah, whatever, you know, action film you wanted from that time plot that is just so over the top. And when they do the movie stuff, the movie's a bit skin, skit, schizophrenic in that, that it's like, here's a legitimate good, like ideas, like Shane Black, obviously it was like help writing this movie. And it's like, this is good. And then they would just do these just totally over the top jokes, which totally land for me. Oh. But like, I, I could see how, they, they, you know, how, like, people are looking at this weird, how they're trying to take it. But I think it's it's a beautiful movie in that it, you know, it has a ton of terrible puns and one-liners. It's got more callbacks than a thing that's got a lot of fucking callbacks, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm tr- I literally was trying to do my notes, trying to keep up with all the callbacks. I'm like, I'm going to write these down and do things. And it's like, this comes back to that, to, to Salieri from Mozart. I'm like... Holy fuck, there are like a billion callbacks in this movie. So and all, it's all the callbacks are great, except for one. Okay. And it's a little too on the nose, but we'll okay. Um Okay. Or do you want to go through the movie or when we get there? If I well, miss it. Okay, so you're talking about let's talk about some of the dialogue and the puns and everything else mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh Anthony Quinn is the mob boss guy, right? Oh yes, the guy okay. who doesn't know uh he's like Johnny Dangerously. He murders the and the guy in Johnny Dangerously, he murders the English language. Right. I love that he tries those turns of like his running gimmick is he mm-hmm. tries those turns of phrase. Right. Gets them wrong and then we get that cut to Benedict. Right. Correcting him, calling him like, "Oh, you dumb whatever, whatever" until the, like the lead up, the build up where Benedict has the magic ticket and he finally shoots Anthony Quinn, but all of those things that he says of being uh, a fourth wheel, uh, you know, it's like he did a 360 on me, mm-hmm. all those things. I say those all the time still to this day. <laughs> right. Now, on the flip side, they they purposely give, and this is why this script to me is genius. Mm-hmm. They purposely give Jack Slater a bunch of puns to say. Oh, that, yes. That puns that don't exist anywhere in the world make mm-hmm. not a lick of sense or the most awkward turns of phrase that you could ever come across. But there's one in particular that is maybe my favorite. It could be, for me at least, a top ten line in all of movie history. Okay. So <laughs> you know something is up with the movie, but the first thing is, so it's the end of Jack Slater 3, Jack Slater walks across the, t- the cars, right? And we get the reveal of him from the feet up where we see his snakeskin boots, mm-hmm. his his skin-tight, acid-washed, Jordache chick jeans, mm-hmm. his belt buckle that says Slater Marksman on it, which I want one of those, by the way. <laughs> and uh, 
he he goes in and they're like they're like oh, the, the the commissioner's like no Jack you can't go in Jack you can't go in and he comes up to the guy and the guy's like oh Jack I can't let you in <laughs> to which Jack responds now keep in mind I don't have this written down because this is in my memory <laughs> for my entire life right he goes so I heard you want to be a farmer here's a few acres and then he <laughs> yep. kicks him in the nuts right yeah now first of all. <laughs> that is out of nowhere. It's a completely non sequitur, out of context. Right. Unless there's a scene in the cutting room floor where this particular guy was lamenting that he wants to be a farmer. That scene makes no sense whatsoever. And when he kicks the guy in the dick, which is a running theme in this movie, if right. you get kicked in the dick, you go sailing 40 feet in the air. <laughs> yep. The, the only thing I can imagine is in the, on the cutting room floor is there's a, a shot of him with, like, the, the piece of wheat in his, in his teeth. Oh. That's the way farmer cop, cops or farmers, Joe, the heart behind that. So Jack Slater has a bunch of lines like that, but my personal favorite Mm -hmm. is, Todd. Yes? What do doctors treat? Patients. What is my elbow doing? Wearing thin. Exactly. (laughs) I love that line in this movie. To me, like, whatever flaws this movie has, and we might get into one or two of them. There's none. There is none. But go ahead. All are forgiven because of that line. I right. love it. And Arnold delivers it with such aplomb. And <laughs> Arnold gets to say so many ridiculous things. The two most importantly, and I know uh, my buddy Drew, who I know listens to the main show, I don't know if he listens to this. But the part where he's at Leo DeFart's uh, funeral and he's trying to get away with the body. Mm-hmm. To distract everyone, do you know what Arnold points off to the side and says? I have it in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> An elephant. An elephant. <laughs> so then there's a running gag of, you know, him saying big mistake and him saying I'll be back and Danny being like, oh, it's kind of like your thing. You know, you always say I'll be back in movies. It's always kind of kind of got to be when you work it in, you know? Mm-hmm. They're in the real world. They get the cabbie. He pulls him out. And right when he's about to say some sort of catchphrase, yes. Arnold instead says, Rubber baby, rubber buggy, baby bumpers. buggy bumpers. Mm-hmm. And he goes, ha! Ah, I bet you didn't think I was going to say that. <laughs> yep. Oh, my God, this movie is fantastic. All, All right. right. So. So I just had to get that out of the way. That That's no problem. Because that's the we're, dialogue stuff. Right. There might we're be more go, coming up, but I wanted to get that all, out of the way. There is some dialogue stuff because there are tr- some truly brilliant jokes that I have notes in this, but I have it done, not like, you know, basically chronological how, right. how like, we did the movie. So, like, it starts out with, hit like you said, Danny, like, we don't know it in the beginning of Danny watching the movie, and it's Jack Slater 3, and we get, like, Lieutenant Decker, who's fantastic. He is he is a mix of all, like, the, 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 the captains or lieutenants who are in all these action movies, like, in Die Hard, uh, Lethal Weapon, um, basically the one that he's most like is, uh, Axel Foley's in Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> and he's just constantly screaming. We meet him, and like you said, Slater's coming to save him. And anytime somebody walks over cars, you know that, you know, whatever's coming is gonna be good. That's, <laughs> that's the way I look at it, right? So he goes in, and one of my favorite things about it is, Lieutenant Decker's like, you can't go in there. And then Tina Turner shows up, and she's the mayor. She's the mayor! 
She's the mayor. And she's like, I know we've had problems. And you, so the way I look at it is the genius of this joke is like, she was in an old movie. You know what I mean? Like, so he keeps going up and then he's like, she's like, well, we, so he goes past his lieutenant. He goes past the mayor and the mayor goes, well, the lieutenant governor's here. And he just clocks the lieutenant governor and goes, let me know when the governor gets here. Like, oh my God. So he goes in, he does the acres joke or whatever. Then he goes up on the roof and this is legitimately one of my favorite scenes with the Ripper. Um, j- just to get to it, he's got Jack Slater's kid and he's holding them hostage. They do this bit where Jack is loaded to the, for bear with weapons. Like he puts his and- gun down and the Ripper's like, come on, Jack, you don't, be- you don't expect me to believe that's all you got. Mm-hmm. And then Jack pulls out like 16 guns. Right. Knives, everything, then rolls a grenade over. Um, it's not really a grenade, it's a knife. Um, because he pulls the pin, he's like, you're not going to blow up your kid. And the kid stabs him with it. But one of my favorite things is as they're falling, um, the Ripper throws the axe at Arnold Schwarzenegger and he dives back and it just misses his face. To me, like all joking aside that this movie's like, like, you know, camp at times. That is one of the coolest scenes in movie history to me. Absolutely. The way that is that the way that is shot is dynamic. It's in the big gun video. And I was like, holy shit. When I saw that, I'm like, that looks really cool. And they, they like show it again later in black and white. And I'm like, I have goosebumps. So it holds up every time I see it. So the, you know, and then the, the film starts to, at this point, we find out that it's a, uh, a movie that we're watching in it and it, uh, starts to, you know, burn and cut. So he goes up, he talks to Nick, he gets the, 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 the ticket that, and then we're going to find out there's going to be, Jack uh, Slater 4 is opening and he can come watch uh, the print which makes me miss that because I used to know people who did that in movie theaters and we used to go occasionally and watch the movies before they were you know what I mean like test the print now on, and, the, fl- on the flip side um, when my brother um, worked at the the movie theater he would tell me it's like hey this is the this is the last day of X movie if you want to come up and see it, today's the last day. I, you know, you could just come in and see it for free. Right, right. So that's how I got to see such movies as Rollerball, Starsky and Hutch, oh, Freddy Got stuff. Fingered, and so on. Right. With your buddy. Wasn't your buddy in Freddy Got Fingered? My buddy. Oh, what's his Oh, name? not that Tom Green. The other one. Oh, that's right. So, uh, but, so he goes and we find out that he's, you know, that, uh, that Danny's ditching school. And I like this part too, as he goes to school and they're watching Hamlet and they say that Hamlet was the first action hero, (laughs) which means Jack Slater's the last action hero. It's, it's like poetry. It rhymes. That's right. (laughs) So then the kid starts daydreaming. And he has the Hamlet Jack Slater mashup movie trailer, which is fantastic. I actually, when I start watching the movie, it's not that I forgot about that scene. I forgot that it was so early in the movie. So it is on YouTube. So I did have to tweet it out. But that's another great one as well, Mm -hmm. where it's like it's Hamlet and everything else like that. And, uh. He, and then it just ends up, it's like, yeah, it's Hamlet, it's during, like, whatever time period it's supposed to take place during, but he's got a gun. Yep. Which, by the way, <laughs> side note, is I remember going to see Macbeth as, like, my English teacher in, like, ninth grade or something like that, tenth grade, was like, you know what, we're going to, we're going to a, uh, a play, we're going to see Macbeth, right? And maybe it was Hamlet, doesn't really matter. 
And we went, and I was like, groan, 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 we're going to go see it. And we get there, and it's done, all our fucking last action hero. Like, they have, it's it's done in modern time. They have machine guns. And we see it, and I'm like, this is fantastic. Like, this is terrible. We leave, and um, my English teacher at the time, she was like the your dentist that you had. Sure. Like dentist surgeon. She was like, that was the fucking worst when we're on the bus. Oh. She's like, she's like, if I had known, I would have never brought us to this. I'm like, oh, Mrs. Gillar, that was fantastic. But uh, so that that's really cool. That makes me laugh. And then, uh, let me see. Let me look oh, over so here. The, so they end the imaginary trailer mm-hmm. with uh, Arnold with the castle in the background lighting the cigar saying to be or not to be yep not to be <laughs> and then we cut to explosions happening over a matte painting of a castle which does not happen at all again okay <laughs> now, i have to commend this movie because mm-hmm. well, i i love old school special effects oh and i yep. love practical effects there were actual physical cars being destroyed there were actual like legitimate explosions that probably legitimate stuntmen had to be involved with and mm-hmm. like things happening in front of matte paintings oh todd a simpler time that's right and i just want to get one thing that's not at this point in the movie but just is a reoccurring thing that i'm not going to do every time they do it is that jack slater's a terrible driver is just hysterical. Like him leaving the, the parking garage of the, of the precinct and he's going up the wrong ramp and then just crosses over and a car <laughs> crashes. And no matter what, it's like he's just driving. And they'll do the, the shot of Arnold driving, the two shot with the kid and, the, and Arnie, and then just cars behind him spinning out because he cut in front of them and everything. It, it just cracks me up every time. So now the kid goes home. And sees his mom, and you find out that he's a he, that she's a widow, and he doesn't have a father in his life, which is going to become important later. That Jack Slater's like the substitute father to him, and everything, which isn't done shitty at any point. I do I do like that. But she tells him, "Stay here. I got to work the night shift. Um, don't open the door for anybody." But the kid's going to sneak out and get, get get the thing. So he looks out in the hall, and there's like strangers. He shuts it. He's like, "Cause it's dangerous." Then he opens up the door, and he gets. He gets robbed, Joe, and you don't have anything good. So the guy, the, the 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 punk, the kid, handcuffs him to the pipes and leaves the the handcuff key for him. And he goes to the precinct and everything, and he reports it. And he's gonna go home, but he keeps the handcuff key and puts it in his pocket. What kind of psychopath that carries around a handcuff key for no reason, Joe? Goddamn, motherfucker! <laughs> Like you said, he gets the golden ticket that was oh, from so, Houdini. Again, we have to say this. This you know, this movie was released in 1993, so it was filmed. You know, well, as we'll as we'll later learn, they were doing reshoots up to the the week that the movie debuted in theaters. What? Because <laughs> they knew they had to take down Jurassic Park. Oh, Joe. Well, we'll get into some of the like some of the little trivia bits on in regards to that. You know, mm-hmm. um, but like this is like. Taxi driver in New York City. And right. I went to New York City for the first time not two years after this movie came out. 
Mm-hmm. And New York City was not this bad, and they did not clean it up that quickly. Oh, Giuliani was amazing. Oh. No, they cleaned it up quickly. I'm just kidding. It's all Disney now. But I remember I was at New York when it was that. Or like not ninety three, but earlier, like in the eight, like we snuck in with my friends on a bus trip. Right, but and it actually was, did it, look like that. Yeah. Oh yes. Peep shows every five feet. Um. Yeah. It like just 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 degenerates hanging out in the like all that shit. Like I mean, it's played up a little bit, but if you went to the right places off a of, off of like you know Broadway and stuff, it looked like that. So that's just my take on it. Right. So. I think they, they obviously for the film effects, they had to oversell how bad this area of New York they were in was. Right. I mean, but I love the fact that we're watching the movie and, you know, and it's he's not in the film yet. And we see Vivaldi and we see, uh, you know, Benedict and he's got the eye cross everything, which is like total James Bond shit. So I'm all in at this point. Um, and then we find out that uh, Jack Slater's favorite second cousin is Art Carney in his last film role, by the way, Joe. Right. So, so I was sad. Oh, to just, see real, that. just real quick about Benedict. Right. So uh, the guy does a fantastic job, first of all. Mm-hmm. Uh, is an actor I'm unfamiliar with. Right. Um, by the name of Charles Dance. I, the, I don't know. Okay. Again, he's a little known actor. But the part that he played of Benedict was originally offered to Piers Brosnan. Mm-hmm. Then offered to Alan Rickman, both of whom who turned it down. And legend goes that on the on the set, when Charles Dance would be walking around, he had a homemade shirt made up that said, I'm cheaper than Brosnan and Rickman. That's fantastic. <laughs> but he did a fantastic job. Um, would it have made a huge difference if it was Alan Rickman in the film? Nah, you know, you're going to draw more diehard uh, allusions to the film. I think Pierce Brosnan would have been too much. Right. Yes. But uh, Alan Rickman would have been good. Uh, but like you said, he crushed it. He knocked it out of the park. Uh, so I like that. Now we get to the part where, you know, the, 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 you're hearing the plan, what Benedict and Vivaldi's plan is. And, and it's inconsequential. It doesn't matter. Right. It, it, does, it does not matter other than maybe up, like upcoming, like to make scenes happen. Right, so, it's because because uh, Danny sees it in the movie, and he when he goes into the movie, he has that information, and they're like, "How do you know that?" It's like I watched the movie, you know. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So now they're they're at Frank's house. These cops are gonna like bust in for a drug bust, and Jack shows up, and he's like, "This is my this is my second cousin's house, you know. Like it's gonna be." There's no drug dealers here. This is yeah. my cousin Frank's house. Uh, if all... here, it might be aspirin. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So, and then he's going to kick in the door, but he's like, hey, I'm, he's a family member, so he's got the key, right? So he goes in, and then... Well, the door's unlocked. Oh, the door's unlocked. I thought he had the key, but uh, he goes in, and he, he talks to, to Frankie and Frank. Oh, no, wait, hang on real quick. The only... I, I have a problem with this scene. Okay. I, well, I have two problems with the scene. One we'll get to. One, uh, as Arnold is walking up to the house, and he's carrying the two bags of groceries... Right. Whoever the prop person is on this movie, for not having the comically oversized giant French baguette sticking out of the grocery <laughs> bag, should have been fired. 
<laughs> but they were perfectly packed bags. Perfectly though. packed bags. But if you're at a TV show or a movie from the 80s or 90s, you're carrying a bag of groceries, everything's perfectly packed, then you have lettuce on the top, and you have the baguette sticking out. Right, that's, you have French bread. movie grocery law. That's right, that's right. So, uh, basically, uh, you know, Frank tells him he's, you know, that... Doesn't he say Vivaldi's name or something? He says Vivaldi did it. He says uh, that Vivaldi is working on getting the crime families together, which is the false information that they said in front of Frank to lead the police on the wild goose chase. That's right. And then he says, I'm a goner, and Art Carney has his death scene. Right. So, And then he sees that there's a little note on his chest. He pulls it down and says to, to, Jack, to Slater, and it's just a countdown of numbers. Which is actually a cool scene, where it's like five, four, three, and then he he goes running out. And the uh, this is this is one of those brilliant things too that not only is it a comedic moment, but it gives you information about Danny. Is Danny goes you know superficial wound to Jack Slater, both cops dead. Right, and that's what happens. And you at this point, it's giving you the information that Danny is a master of how these work these movies work. He's like. There's nobody going to be better than him to be in Last Action Hero than than Danny, and I like it. And it's the whole uh, lethal weapon thing at this time because the, the 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 black cops like I only had two days to retirement, and then you hear like the lethal weapon horn underneath it, the word, and I'm like, all right, this the these are jokes that I don't remember that are better now. Because I'm older and I, I'm, like, paying much more attention to this. Now, before you continue on, I just mm-hmm. have to say, with all the reshoots being done on this film, and the problems that they were aware of going in, mm-hmm. um, when Arnold comes running out of the house yep. and makes the jump and says, it's a bomb, knowing what they knew, I think they should have cut that line out of the movie. Because mm-hmm. in a movie that ends up being a colossal bomb, you have a scene in the movie where the star <laughs> says, it's a bomb. Mm-hmm. You should say, you know, get it's out of the <laughs> Yes, it's a hit. <laughs> oh, My movie's great. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So anyway, I, I, they, they should have cut that scene out or had Arnold say something different. Right. So it's at this point, Vivaldi's thugs show up in a cl- in a beautiful classic revved up pickup truck so jack gets in his you know convertible and then they start playing some song i don't know i don't remember what it was um but uh he starts chasing them and it's it, this is a great scene of car chases where bullets are flying he, he he's getting chased dynamite's being thrown but neither car is being damaged at all, which is like one of my favorite things in movies that you can't destroy these classic cars and everything. So the, the, the dynamite gets thrown. Um, it falls into the, the theater and it blows Danny into the movie. It blows up and he goes in. And he's in the back of the car and there's more chase. And the direction once again is fantastic with some of this. Arnie throws dynamite back. It, it, it shoots somebody. He falls into an ice cream truck that explodes for no apparent reason. And hits this uh, Asian actor in the back of the head with an ice cream cone. Um, and he's in every bad uh, 80s and 90s action movie. That guy is just right, in he was in Big Trouble in Little China. He One always of the plays like a wep- second or t- third tier goon. 
I think he was the guy who electric shock tortured uh, Mel Gibson in one of the Lethal Weapon movies. Um, but he just he just just does it, and uh, and Arnie has one of the best puns here. He's like, "I really iced that guy to cone a phrase." <laughs> and I'm like, "How can Joe hate my puns when he loves this movie?" Because uh, you're, because you're not Arnold. What? What? So basically, Arnie ends up, you know just beating all the guys they flies off a bridge finds the kid uh goes and then to end it he ends up doing the 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 rule of action movies he plays chicken with the car and because he's the action star he's always gonna win and he does and then like there's a guy in the dumpster stiff as a board which is fantastic um so yeah I, i just it's just an amazing looking movie like at this point um so he takes the kid to the, the the precinct, which is the best. It has valet parking. It has dominatrix cops. It has I, I don't even know at this point. Um, Sharon Stone walking out, and the guy who played the T two cop, Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick, uh, and he also played Eddie Munster, right? That's that's his that's his dad mm-hmm. Butch. <laughs> that's his dad Butch, right? So. Um, they're at the they're at the thing, and he he a phone call comes in from Jack's uh, ex wife who he hates, and he puts the tape on of oh. him just going uh huh uh huh yep. And I love no. the fact that he well, go ahead go ahead that he has a box of tapes for like the mayor, <laughs> and, like all these situations, and he just puts it down on the thing, which comes back later, you know, like the whole the whole wife tape thing. What were you gonna say? So the the one in particular, so he sets it up on the tape recorder, mm. leaves, and then when he comes back and it's still playing, there's the clip on there of Arnold going, uh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, 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 yeah. That <laughs> specific one, another one, I say that all the time. <laughs> oh, and that's when one of the, the one, a minor character shows up who's called Practice, and they do all these practice jokes with him throughout the movie. Oh, how do you get right? Uh, F. Murray Abraham. Yep. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice. Practice. Yep. So then he, he's meeting with him, and he gives some of the information that's going to be pertinent to the rest of the movie. That's like pointless to the overall plot, but the the Jack Slater four plot it's important. Um. So then Danny tells him like you can't trust that guy. He killed he killed Mozart, and that comes back later. Right. He was in Amadeus. He killed yeah. Mozart. Which is a great movie, by the way. Um, Fantastic film, right? So now this is what this is one of my all-time favorite scenes in the movie because right off the bat it cuts back and forth between Lieutenant Decker, Jack, and Danny, and the classic. Uh, there's a desk sergeant putting cops together, and it's all mismatches like in all these action movies, and it's like. There's like an out of shape cop, like with somebody else. There's a rabbi in a cop, and then a fucking animated cat, which is Danny DeVito, which is fantastic. Is his name Whiskers? Yes. Whiskers, right? So while that's going on, I find that hysterical, just the mismatched cops. But then Lieutenant Decker, Jack Slate, and these talking back and forth and Danny's like I know what's going on here you actually do love each other and you did this and drove him back from that and you know it's touching and Lieutenant Decker's like when did you tell him all this he's like I didn't then how does he know and and uh 
he's like, well, I know all this. Jack Slater won. And he's like, what does like a Jack what did Slater I win? Score? Yeah, what did he win? And he's like, no, no, the first Jack Slater. And Lieutenant Decker says, you told your father. It's so great. And the best part is when they walk in to meet him, he's bitching at Jack Slater. And do you know what he's bitching about? Do you remember? What the? He's bitching that because of that thing that he did last week, saving the city. I have, I have like the, the, the parade committee breathing down my neck to know what day we have to give you the parade. It's like not a shitty thing. It's not like, like he blew up a, a car. It's like literally they're praising you and it's, and they're, they're coming to me. And I'm like, that's funny. That's a little thing that I did not notice the first time I watched the movie. Because it's like, it, typically when the uh, the commissioner there is yelling at them, it's just gibberish. And it's so mm-hmm. fast, you really can't track what he's saying. Right. You could pick up bits and pieces of it, but not all of it. Mm-hmm. So, basically, then the kid... Now, now begins the, the bits of the kid trying to convince Jack that he's in a movie. So he takes him to the video store. And like the, there's a, the outfits in this movie are just getting better and better. There's a woman in a, in a latex slash vinyl outfit with like latex donuts all over it for no apparent reason. <laughs> Fashion. <laughs> right? So, so they go in and he's like, let me find your action movie. Well, she comes in, he goes, he goes, where are the Schwarzenegger films? He, he goes, <laughs> foreign movies. Uh, I thought they said the art flicks were in the back. So whatever, yeah, whatever it was. Right. So he goes and he finds Terminator and he's got Sylvester oh, Stallone on the picture. The big giant cardboard standee of Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. But instead of Arnold, it's Sylvester Stallone. Maybe one of the top gags in movie history. Stallone, he's great in that. <laughs> it's like, this is fantastic. So he's like, he's he's talking to the women and he's getting the, getting their number for, oh my God, it's just so good. He's like, and look at this lady, and it's Angie Everhart, like running the blockbuster. It's like, she's way too hot to be working here. Oh, and it's the whole thing. It's like, oh, is he a movie star? Yes. Uh, it's like <laughs> when, he, when he picks up the girl and he gets the phone numbers because everyone has 555. Yes. And he's like, how many people are in Los Angeles? Nine and a half million. Then how could everybody have 555 as their phone number? He's like, area codes. And he's like, ah! Like, Danny's being foiled at every turn. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So, and then he's like, all the, all the, all the, uh, like he said, all the women. And they, and that's when you notice that every woman walking around is like a, a, a ten and a half. And he's like, what about that? He's like, we're in California. <laughs> it's like, they're, yeah, all women are 10 in California. <laughs> so I'm moving there. So he says, well, let's drive around. I know where Vivaldi's, you know, planning this thing. And they go up to the house and they just find it. And he's like, oh, you've solved the crime. Why did I need to go to cop school? He's like, it's just going on. He's like, so <laughs> all they I have to they... do is just drive around the neighborhood and go, there it is. There's the one. You cracked the case. Right? And my Arnie impersonation is spot on, by the way. Oh. And I'm, I'm the Jay Moore of this show. Cool. So, so he goes that about up, yourself, Todd. knocks on the door, an odd job from the James Bond movie answers. 
who I was hoping would have a bigger role, but he has one of my other favorite bits in the movie later. Um, and the, and so out comes Benedict and they start doing these wizard oh, of odd joke. I mentioned before my friend drew, mm-hmm. uh, another great line that we would always say to each other from this movie mm-hmm. is when Arnold goes up to the house and he goes, yes, is the drug dealer of the house home. <laughs> yes. We were just driving around the neighborhood and I decided I would check here to see if there was any drug dealers. <laughs> And the odd job, just like one second. And now, Benedict... Yeah, you say that's odd job. That's that's also uh, tangent, tangent. Professor Toru Tanaka, former tag team partner of Mr. Fuji, <gasps> in the world, and former tag team champion of Mr. Fuji. Another great movie that he was in was Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yes, bring it back to a line that I say. Every day, getting my kid ready for his bath at the end of the day is, uh, where's Francis? Oh, Master Francis is taking his bath. And what does Pee-wee say? What? Oh, really? Where are they hosing him down? (laughs) Slams the door. (laughs) That's all. All right. So So Benedict shows up. Benedict comes out, and they're doing all this thing, and he's like, uh, he threatens him with the with the Doberman pinchers. Oh, they're they're highly trained. Trained, and he snaps his fingers, and like they're behind him. And Arnold, they cut to Arnold, the close up on his face. The Benedict snaps his finger, and they cut back. And this is one of those jokes where they, this is one of those that I think would throw people off. And the highly trained, and the dogs are in a fucking pyramid, like a cheerleader pyramid. <laughs> and I forgot that, and I cracked up, and I'm like, that's. This is where this is where it's at. This is where it loses people, but this is what makes the movie Joe. So he finds out that Benedict does have the glass eyes, so now he's starting to believe Danny. Um so he's like, Okay, so he takes him back to his ex wife's house, and this is where I actually have the I actually have right written down here patience wearing thin <laughs> Oh Todd. Yes, one of the greatest no way lines in movie getting... history. Mm-hmm. So they open the door, and Jack Slater's daughter Whitney kisses Danny because she's she's waiting for who, Joe? Do you remember? Oh, I know it's the college freshman, but I forget his name. Skeezy, 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 <laughs> and they even spell it later. That's fantastic. Oh. So then we find out that uh, the the that. Jack Slater's kid died in Jack Slater 3 when the Ripper fell off the building, um, which is kind of cool. So Jack's, like, remembering this after having a conversation with his daughter and Danny, and he just leaves to go get a cigar. And so Whitney and and Danny are talking, and then there's a knock on the door, which is classic, like, action movie. Before you get to that, you Mm -hmm. forgot about the uh, counterfeit money. Which was from an old case he just has laying around the house. Right, it looks just like the real stuff. He tried to use it to pay off some of his alimony, mm-hmm. but when you burn it, it looks a f- it burns a funny color. Right. I hope that doesn't get paid off somewhere later in the movie. Like are literally you the a- next scene. Are you saying it's a callback, Joe? <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> right. So, <sighs> so they're talking. So then there's a knock at the door, and it's got to be skeezy, right? Danny'll get rid of him, and that's when it's uh. You know Benedict and his and his men, especially a, uh, one guy who can't catch anything. He couldn't catch a cold in this movie. <laughs> now again, if this movie was longer, mm-hmm. and we'll get into a little bit of that toward the end of the discussion here, mm-hmm. then I'm sure there could have been a longer plot thread of that guy being more and more clumsy. 
Right, and it paying off somehow. Well, it pays like, off here, but it, right. like there could have been a much bigger payoff, I think. That's what I meant. Like, yeah. But uh, so uh, Benedict's there, and he's like, uh, do, like doing all the things. He's he's getting the people's the people checking all the place for the house, oh. and then he's like, he grabs wait, what? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. He grabs Whitney, and that's when Danny's going to be all macho, and he's like, if you harm a hair on her head, and he's like, give me her, wait. And he goes over, and he grabs a a hair off her head with a violent pluck, Joe. (laughs) And he's like, this hair right here? And he walks over, and he breaks it with another violent pluck. And I'm like, that that's just like this show. That's, that's a mustache twirling villain. It's I, fantastic. I was gonna say that's cartoon super villainy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, the kid tries to bribe them with uh, counterfeit money, but he, Benedict's too smart for that and says, "They're well, marked bills." Yes, and when he doesn't know that, so he's like, "Burn the money," and the guys are like, "Burn the money," and he, he throws it at him. And he doesn't he drop it again? Yes. Drops it. He's like he throws anything, which billowing colored smoke comes out of the chimney, Joe. That alerts Jack when he's coming home. So Whitney's in the other room with one of the thugs, and she's screaming like a cheesy, like you know, vulnerable uh, woman in a in a movie. But she's really just doing that because she gets the best of him. She gives him a. The, apparently, this thug also wants to be a farmer, Joe, because <laughs> he gets a couple of acres. In this movie, and once again, goes flying like he was hit by a, like a missile. Now, we'll we'll get back to Whitney, but do you notice that Whitney wears the girl version of the Jack Slater outfit? Yeah, yes, and it's also the outfit from uh, Cherry Pie Warren's video, I think. (laughs) It's damn close, though. Are you looking it up now? No. Okay. But um, again, so it's just it's just funny to me that um like obviously from the standee and everything, that's what it's set up to be that in the movie world this is going to set up the spin off of the daughter. Right. So uh, when the grosses go down. Um <laughs> but so now there's a thing, there's a noise at the door. Now this has to be Jack Slater coming in to save him. So the thugs are ready, they open it, and the and it's not Jack Slater. You know who it is, Joe? It's skeezy. It's skeezy with, with in a kissing like face. He's like, mm. and they bring him in. And he's all scared. And Jack comes in and you know busts up the joint and and beats up all people, shoots a bunch of people, does all like those great you know action movie kills in the thing. Um, and Benedict makes a run for it. So. Uh, Jack chases him in like a like before parkour was popular. Jumps off the, the oh, balcony with a fantastic and, stunt double. Oh my goodness! Uh, was there any good wig work on that double at all? Or I don't it's know. Very I, suspect. I, Arnold had a <laughs> had an interesting hair color going on in this film. Mm-hmm. Or Jack Slater, rather. Yes. Yeah, stop. Yes. So don't confuse them because they meet up later. Right. <laughs> I'm the famous comedian, Arnold Braunschweiger. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fantastic. So Danny goes after him, and Danny grabs a little girl's bike and starts chasing him him down. And Slater gets Benedict's car, but turns him around. So he's heading back towards Danny. And Danny's at this point, like, turns on the light on the little girl's bike. And he's like, we play chicken. And I got him because this is what happens. And they crash. 
But that's when he realizes that, you know, he's the plucky comedic sidekick. Right. So it's not going to work. And he goes off in another amazing special effect where he goes flying like E.T. up on the moon, in front of the moon, on top of the house, flies out the house, goes through one window, probably a naked woman screams, and then he goes out the other window and just crashes, which is fantastic. Is that one of the effects that you were talking about too, Joe? That was, uh, to say the least, embarrassing. What? Yes. And a, an important plot point at this point is that ben, Benedict took the ticket out of Danny's wallet. Right? That's the golden ticket. Because they were searching him for all the stuff. Right. Um, now, For again, information. A, a flaw in the film we'll get to. He essentially has Danny empty everything that he has on him until later on when they come back to the house. Danny has a notebook and a Sharpie in his pockets as well. Right. Also, he didn't lose uh, any handcuff keys. Why wouldn't you have a double bear of handcuff <laughs> keys, double cheese, double onion, motherfucker? Anyway. <laughs> So then, uh, this is when we go back to Vivaldi's mansion and, he, and Benedict's like going to his room and, and going through the stuff that Danny has. And I, I love the background stuff at this point. It's like a billion guns and trophies on the walls and everything. And that's when he realizes that the ticket is kind of magic because he leans on the wall and he goes through and the TV's on and it starts playing the, the, the twilight zone theme. Mm -hmm. And that's another great shot where he realizes what the ticket can do. Like not joking, like a, re a legitimate good job of direction at that point. So we cut back to the house that at, at uh, Jack Slater's ex-wife's house. And that's when, Danny has the idea that if Jack can say this word, which I, I don't know what word it could have been, Joe. Do you know what it could have been? Uh, I think it was motherfucker. <laughs> because it's a PG-13 movie, he can't see it. And that was, and, and this was back and, in the day where you couldn't get away. You could in in PG-13 movies these days you get one fuck. Right, but not in, in 1993. Right, but I thought it was still you get one. Like, as an adjective, you can't do it as the word, actual, like, copulation word. You know, well, like, there's weird rules. I remember when it was a big deal, uh, several years prior to this, where in Spaceballs, which was a PG-13 movie, they said shit once. Mm-hmm. Or no, they said, uh, he says shit, yeah. I ain't found shit. Or no, um, no, he says fuck once. Because he's like, even in the future, nothing works. Right. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so you get one. You were able to get one, but it, like, they didn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't like a thing that you were aware of that you got one. Right. Yeah. So it's one of those great, uh, that's one of those great, like, moments. Um, so that's when Skeezy realizes that he saw the license plate with the guy with the missing eye. And Jack's like, Oh, you mean the glass eye? He's like, no, missing. It, it, it fell out of his head, and he's got the license plate. And the one guy's like, I found it, and he's and it says, it says, vengeance is, and he turns it, and you hear a click. I'm like, don't do that. And then there's another great special effect explosion up in the hills in California, uh, which I think is the same effect they use on the castle earlier. Oh, oh, that's great. So now they go back to Lieutenant Decker's office. 
and he's chewing them out and he he's mumbling this is that you're, you're right where he's mumbling it's something else i wrote down where he's just going and the california raisins are on me blah, blah, blah. diary of anne frank for no apparent reason he says the diary of anne frank <laughs> is this the know. scene where the smoke is literally coming out of his ears yes okay. yes it is and this is where jack loses his badge and uh he has to pack up his desk yeah and he's never going to get that badge back and this is when uh the 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 desk sergeant is hooking up more people and it's a cop and the black and white digitalization of humphrey (laughs) Humphrey bogart is gonna be a cop and i cracked up at that and that's when everybody just quiets down and because jack slater has lost his job Oh. Right, but F. Murray Abraham, whatever part he plays in the movie comes up, he's like, ah, you know, even if you're not a cop, why don't you come to the funeral with me anyway? They spared no expense. That's right. Uh, but the 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 uh, funeral of who, Joe? Uh, Leo DeFart. <laughs> Leo DeFart, which is one of the best names in an action movie. Leo DeFart is going to pass gas for one last time because that's when previously unseen or unspoken of in the movie, uh, Jack Slater puts together that this is somehow connected to these the canisters of gas that were also stolen earlier mm-hmm. this week. Right. <laughs> oh now, this is when J- uh, Jack has nothing to do and he goes back to his uh, house because earlier in one of the scenes he got shot with a shotgun, but he had a, a vest on and it ruined his shirt. So he has to go back to his apartment. And this is one of those things that I absolutely... His real it, apartment. His, like, his actual apartment. And this cracks me up, Joe, because he goes in and it's next to the highway where it's really loud, right? So then there's there's not an ounce of furniture in the house, Right. So I'm laughing at that. And then he just walks in and he just shoots the closet. And he's like, you just shot the closet. He's like, yes. The guy falls out. He's like, there was a guy in there. There's always a guy in there. It's it's, really, it's like, he's like, and it's expensive on closet doors. And he's like, oh, my God. Now, Joe, they open up the closet. And I cracked up because in that closet are several pairs of snakeskin boots, the same. The same pairs of jeans, the same jacket, the same T-shirts. Now, Joe, I ask you, what kind of one-dimensional character has all the same clothes in their closet, Joe? Jeff Goldblum, Brundle, Fly from the uh, David Cronenberg Fly, and you. <laughs> Wait, oh, let's move on. Let's forget this fact altogether. All right. So that cracked me up. I'm literally watching the movie and going, my closet is fucking Jack Slater's closet from Last Action Hero. <laughs> And that's not a, this isn't an over an exaggeration. This isn't me doing a joke. You know this, Joe. You know this to be true. While I've never seen your closet, I've seen <laughs> you, Todd. You've and seen I, my, my wardrobe? Right. Oh, uh, so that, that legitimately just fucking cracked me up. Just like cracked me up. So then that's when we find out that Jack's ex-wife doesn't really care anymore and she's not calling him. That Jack pays somebody at the local 7-Eleven to call every day <laughs> and pretend. And and it's a legitimate like moment when we find out that he hates the whole thing of being in a movie and it's like he might be in a movie and like if he is then like all the pain that shit has brought him and all the And I'm like this is legitimately cool. Like legitimately cool. So he figures some stuff out and they go to the funeral 
And my favorite part is Vivaldi's there and he does the fourth wheel joke. And then he's like, well, you know, I, I'm going to go, go around. He's like, and he tells Benedict, pay your respects to LaFart for us. And he goes over and to activate the bomb, Joe, what does he do? He pulls his finger. And I crack up. And he has the, the digital watch that has the timer on it. Oh. Oh, because, you know, you would. Like, why wouldn't you? Like, why wouldn't you? Oh, let me see. Where am I at? Uh, we find out that practice is a traitor at this point. Um, and he should have known because Jack should have known because the, the little boy told him that he killed Mozart. <laughs> Not Mozart, Mozart. And that absolutely cracks me up. So the kid shows up and says, don't monologue. You're monologuing. You could have got away with it if you just shot him. And that's when they get captured again and they get handcuffed to a pipe. But luckily, luckily, Joe, there's a handcuff key in his pocket. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> I don't want that fucking snake put on me. Fuck you, <laughs> motherfucker. Uh, so uh, I forget how... Uh, practice gets the best of them again. Oh, he, he, the kid wouldn't shoot. That's what it was. So practice gets the gun off him and he, he's going to shoot them. But whiskers shows up to save the day. Animated cop cat. Fantastic. Voiced by Danny DeVito. If we didn't mention that. Uh, I mentioned that before. So now the, the, they know it's going to explode. So he tells the kid to go work the, go get the crane operator to, to send the crane up to the roof. And I'm going to go up and, and infiltrate the funeral. And he puts on his disguise. What's his disguise? Do you remember Joe? A baseball hat. Yes. And he just, just works into the crowd. Right. So he goes up and he, he's like, he's like walking around. He goes up to the body to pay his respects. And he's like, I love the distraction before the elephant. He's just like, it's like, this man's still alive. Get me out of here. <laughs> he does like a little help, boy. help. <laughs> this man's still alive. Uh, so he starts running with him. He's like, I got to get him to a doctor. I'm a doctor. <laughs> and he uh, knocks check him his out. chin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he starts running. And the doctor has fainted. Someone get him a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he runs. And that's when he points to the elephant thing. And that's what I love when everybody in the mafia has a gun. Like, the old ladies have machine guns. The comical uh, flying nun nuns. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, my God. So this is when the kid goes running with the gun, which I love that everybody just runs away and he has to work the the uh, the crane. And I love that he doesn't know how to do it, so, like, the, the scene where he's supposed to jump on the wrecking the crane ball, it just goes off, and he ends up throwing LaFart on it, and that's when he decides that get him over the La Brea tar pits, which is what you get when you eat La Brea tar peaches. <laughs> oh, that's uh, see if Jack Slater said it, I'd be laughing. That's a Karnak joke from uh from Johnny Carson. Oh my goodness. La Brea Tar Pits. What do you get when you eat La Brea Tar Peaches? So they go in and the, he blows up, but he he the 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 explosion doesn't come out because the tar pits hold it. And that's when Jack says that was silent but deadly. That's <laughs> like fantastic. He gets out, just wipes the tar off himself. Because <laughs> tar easily comes off. And even Danny's like, you know, tar sticks to most people. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that's when Whitney shows up in her giant truck um, to just heard he knew he was in the neighborhood and thought he might like some clothes. <laughs> shows up with more of the same clothes, Joe. Oh. Pathetic, pathetic Jack's wardrobe. Uh, so that's when we go back to, to Vivaldi's mansion and Benedict goes back to tell him about the plan and everything worked out, uh, or that didn't go right. It, it worked out in Jack's favor. And that's when he, he does his thing where he's like, you did a 360 on me. He's like, I'd be 180. If I did 360, I'd be back. And, and Vivaldi doesn't understand. So he just shoots him. And that's when odd job shows up and goes like, do you need me for anything else? It's like, no. And he says really quietly, like, but the pool could use uh, like a, a, a once over and odd job goes. He's like, okay, but I don't know how he heard him like 80 feet in the background. <laughs> and I just love it. It's like that. And that's when Jack crashes through the wall in Whitney's big truck, um, which is fantastic. Oh, so he crashes through and he goes, this is for hitting my daughter punch. <laughs> And this is for blowing up my ex-wife's house. And he picks up his wrist and gives him, like, a dainty slap on the hand. <laughs> yes, he, he literally gives him a slap on the wrist. And then he throws him through the through the thing, and he goes into the real world. Right. And, and this is when... This is when uh, Danny gives Jack Slater some advice that he's actually giving to Joe Sposto, too. Uh-oh. Jack's like... He's like, oh, if we go into the real world, how will I get back? And uh, Danny goes, you can't nitpick. You can't go through, like, nitpicking everything. Oh, my goodness. And I'm like, there's a message for Mr. Sposto. Yeah, you can, but, you know, it's not healthy. But you can. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's when they get in the real world. They're in. Now, this is where I love that that it changes once again is, like, the clean, crisp, bright look of, California, we get to the dingy New York that you love so much. Um, Benedict steals a cab with odd job. Uh, like you said, uh, Jack tries to shoot it, doesn't explode, so he punches through a window. That's when we find out that, you know, he can feel pain, he can get hurt in this universe, that the rules are, are real now, Joe. The, the results are real. So they, uh, Arnold does like, oh, I'm going to play chicken with him. He catches him in a car. He's like, I'm going to play chicken with him. And Danny's trying to explain, don't. It doesn't work. He's like, I got it. Get out of the car. And he drives off. And it, that's a great shot of an act. Like, everything up to this point has been, like, movie action car crashes. And this is a legit, like, head-on car crash, the way the cars react and everything. Right. And you think he's d- dead. And you run up. And he's like, oh, I'm hurt. Like, oh, that hurts so much. And he's like, and Jack actually does some cop logic stuff. He's like, that's a cab. This is a so-and-so car with airbags and seatbelts. He's like, I knew what I was doing. And I'm like, Jack's actually, like, a smart guy, too. Right. So it's it's actually kind of cool. And that's when we find out with Benedict. He finds out he's in the in the, in the the real world. Uh, and he shoots the – he sees the, the prostitute, which is, a, which is like a, an icky scene in the movie when, he, when the prostitute uh, propositions him. And even he's like, how old are you? And she's like, just out of hell with you. And then he sees somebody killing people over shoes, which is like realistic. And it's really interesting to, to, to see all that. And then Danny goes to the movie theater and tells Nick that the ticket actually works. And he wants it so he can go see Greta Garbo and Marilyn Monroe. 
Uh, but you know, cause he wasted his whole life when he could have been doing all this. Uh, so they go home because Jack's, uh, Danny's mother's like waiting for him and we, and Jack meets Danny's, Danny's mother, but Danny's mother doesn't even know who like even Arnold Schwarzenegger is. <laughs> they just getting along. And in the morning, they just talked, Joe. He's never done that with a woman before. Now, again, faulty logic. Arnold Schwarzenegger, one of the biggest movie stars in the world, coming to that town for the premiere of Jack Slater 4, and the mother has no idea who it is. She just thinks he's another cop. Well, that's the mother principle, Joe, you know? Oh, I guess. And that there's an, there's another slight callback here, Joe where the mother's playing classical music and he likes it because he never really gets to hear it. He only hears rock music. (laughs) Well, so that's another thing that I forgot to mention. The soundtrack of Jack Slater is what Jack plays on his mini CD player. Yes, in the car. And And the other thing that I forgot to mention from earlier in the film, the first 20 minutes of the movie where it's in Jack Slater form, they kind of abandoned it as the Jack Slater world goes on, but the first 20 minutes of the movie is nothing but product placement. Oh, yes. Baskin-Robbins trucks, Coca-Cola trucks, (laughs) Texaco, you know, trucks. Everything is branded and corporate logoed. Blockbuster, of course, you know, it's just so ridiculous. It is. That is really, that is a great thing. That's just like, you're like, oh my God, it's it's so blatant. Like in the in in the opening of the the movie, and I guess it kind of had to go away because it would be distracting after a while, right? So uh, at this point, Benedict realizes what he can do with the ticket, and he's go- he recruits the Ripper because he knows that's the one who can get into Jack's head the best, which I thought was really cool. Um, but then we go to the premiere, and Joe, they have such cameos in this point as. Arnold Schwarzenegger's real wife, Maria Shriver, Lisa Gibbons, Chevy Chase, um, James Belushi, Damon Wayans, Timothy Dalton, Jod Klon Van Damme, MC Hammer, Johnny B. Bad. <laughs> All these people are in this movie. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I was waiting this whole show to do that joke. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> So, uh, at this point, the Ripper comes in the thing, and he, my favorite, one of my favorite parts is him doing the red carpet, and he's just like, oh, look at so-and-so, the actor is here, and he's in full Ripper garb, and what are you doing here today? And he's like, uh, and he just, like, looks so confused, <laughs> and he's like, I- I've, I think I've come to, to kill some people. <laughs> He just keeps going, and it works because that's a that's a thing Hollywood would do. But he's actually going to go uh, murder some people, uh, and, and I like it. And that's when you know we get uh, that he's going to go kill the actual Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's the plot. Then he then he actually kills Jack Slater, right? Because if Arnold doesn't exist, then they can't make any more of the movies. But then uh, whoever the actor who plays the Ripper. His agent shows up and thinks it's really the guy. And he's like, oh, come on. Uh, what are you doing? You know, uh, Jack Nicholson didn't show up to the Batman premiere dressed as the Joker. Come on, let's go, you know. What do you want to play, axe murderers for the rest of your life? Oh, you brought the prop. How nice. <laughs> like, so I think he ends up killing that guy, to tell you the truth. Because he never gets the tuxedo. I would assume so. We don't see right. it, but uh, yeah. 
So he goes after Arnold Schwarzenegger and Which Arnie... balcony is in? The lo- oh, no, so Arnold goes up to, uh <laughs> Jack Slater comes into the movie theater and goes up to the concession stand and says, Where am I sitting? Mm-hmm. And the woman's like, uh, uh, and he takes off his hat, because it's a great disguise of the hat, and points at his face and says, <laughs> where am I sitting? And she goes, uh, you're either in the upper balcony or the lower balcony. And he's like, which one? And she says, the lower. And then, uh, Danny, of course, he tells Danny to stay put. And Danny ends up going to the upper balcony because, you know, when they say in all these movies to stay put, the person never stays put. Whatever happens to them, they always end up saving the day or they end up getting killed. It depends on who they are. But they're in the real world. So Danny goes to the upper balcony. That's where he sees the Ripper uh, up there. Arnold, real Arnold down in the lower balcony and Jack Slater trying to save Arnold, real Arnold from being killed. And that's when Arnold actually knocks down jack slater to save him right right and he's like and the ripper gets away in a cool scene where he jumps onto the to the movie curtain and slides down the with the axe and everything and he gets away which everybody thinks is a movie stunt which is another thing that that i think is cool and uh arnold schwarzenegger and jack slater have a little conversation in amazing split screen i actually think that's the best effect in the movie it's not the worst split screen i've ever seen uh yeah, that actually looked really good. Right. So, and there's a great moment when he's like, you're the best, like, body double I've ever seen, blah, 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 you know, like, that's great. And, and I forget what he says to him, but basically, uh, Jack Slater says back to him, he's like, I want nothing to do with you. You've brought me nothing but pain. And that's a legitimate great line, like, that we've set up that, you know, they killed this kid that in the movies he has nightmares. And, like, why would you do this to someone? And he would legitimately hate Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I think that's, like, a an actual great scene in the movie. And, uh, I don't know, I liked it. But at this point, uh, the Ripper steals Danny and goes up to the roof to recreate the scene from Jack Slater 3. And he throws him off the roof, so Danny's dead, and um, or is he? And so Jack is gonna do do the dance with him, but Ripper is bored, and he ends up killing him by electrocuting him because it's raining, and he uses the axe to cut an electrical wire on the roof. So the Ripper's dead, but he finds out that Danny landed on like a gargoyle on one of the buildings or something. Of course. So, so, which is what happens in real life. So Arnie, or Jack Slater goes down, he gets him and brings him back up, throws him up on the roof, you know, all uh, movie style, climbs up. And that's when Benedict actually shows up and decides to say, you know, what his plan is. He's going to, he's going to monologue Joe, but this time it, it, it works because he shoots at the, at Arnie a couple of times and Arnie's like, Oh, you made a movie mistake. You forgot to reload. He's like, Nope. I just left one bullet out of the chamber, and he shoots him. For no reason. And, what? That's so he would think that he was out of bullets. I guess. <laughs> and come out and just be able to shoot him. It's a genius plot point. So at this point, he shoots uh, Jack Slater in the chest, and he's, he's bleeding real blood this time, Joe. And he, uh, uh, what's his face, Benedict, how did he kill... I'm getting confused. I'm trying to remember what happened to Benedict. Doesn't he shoot him in the eye? No. 
Yes, he he tricks him somehow, and then he shoots him in the eye, which is all his eyes have the explosives in them. Right. So his head blows up and everything. I forget how he ends up tricking him something, how he gets a gun. Oh, because Danny distracts him by saying, you broke my arm. Right, and you Danny my- was some terrible acting there. Which was supposed to be the point. Right. But uh, so Jack... Uh, kills uh, Benedict, so that's over. He has a great speech how, like, in this world he can win, and he's going to get King Kong and Freddy Krueger and all this stuff. So I guess apparently in the in the Jack Slater world, all these creatures exist, too, because he knows about them. Right, I guess. I I guess. And then uh, at this point, that's when the seventh seal is being being played nearby, and Death, played by Magneto. Oh, which was a nice surprise. Yes, comes out of. Did you remember that it was him? No, right. Um, that it was Ian McKellen, McKellen or McKellar? Uh McKellen. McKellen comes out and he comes after uh, Jack, who Danny takes him back to the theater because they don't have the ticket anymore because it gets blown away when Benedict gets blown up. So they go back and he puts him in the thing because it's got to work, and he tells Nick to fire up the projector, and he's there, and death comes for Jack Slater, but he's not there for Jack. Before Death shows up, and they're bringing Jack Slater into the movie movie theater... Yes, okay, I'm sorry, yep. We get the... Now, one of the things that we'll discuss here momentarily is the length of this movie, right? Right, and the length of this podcast. Well, well, length of the podcast notwithstanding, but the length of the movie is they could have cut about 20 minutes of them lingering on the ticket box... Mm-hmm. to let us, the viewer at home, know that the other part of the ticket is in that ticket box. You mean 20 minutes or 20 seconds? No, again, they linger. Like, I'm joking I'm that joking. it's 20 minutes, but they linger on that ticket box. They're like, huh? Huh? Right. <laughs> so he shows up, and he's like, and Danny's going to stand up for him, which is cool. Oh, and while he's walking, they show him touch a cop who gets apparently bronchial pneumonia and dies. Oh. Um, to show that death actually works in the real world, which is a plot point. So he goes and he tells him, you know, you're not going to get Jack. Danny's like, you're not going to get him. He's like, I'm not here for him. He doesn't appear on any of my lists, and I'm fascinated by that. And he's like, but you are, son. He's like, and, I, and he's like, now, now he's like, you die a grandfather. And I'm like, okay, so at least the kid knows he's going to live a long life. And he's like, but you are stupid. And he realizes, he's like, I'd be looking for the other half of the ticket. So Danny goes, drop kicks the ticket holder. <laughs> and uh, gets the ticket out, and he, he gets it to to work. And Dan, and uh, Jack Slater goes back to where it's just a flesh wound, Joe. Just a flesh wound. And everything is in the world is great again. And he goes to give the ticket back to Nick, and Nick says, no. You keep it. Uh, I don't think I, the magic was always in you, Joe. The magic was always in you. <laughs> and uh, that's the end of the movie. And D- Lieutenant Decker yells Slater. <laughs> well, no, it, back in the movie world, Jack Slater is now also self-aware. Yes. Of what's He's going a- on, that the commissioner is the comic relief. Mm-hmm. and how there are people writing these scripts for everything that they do, and then he looks at the screen, specifically at Danny, and gives him, like, the knowing wink. Right. And then we get the scene, a la Roger Corman's Fantastic Four, where Jack Slater rides off into the sunset and waves at us. Yes. That's yeah. to end the movie. Yep. 
which is fantastic. Um, which to me, all this stuff set up a uh, set up a sequel that we never got. But I think the world is ready for Last Action Hero two with all the resurgence of like old, uh, like uh, action heroes coming back, like Arnie still doing movies and older Danny needs Jack Slater for something. He uses the ticket to bring him out. Listen. And it's like, oh, it'll be fantastic. I'm all about a last action hero uh sequel, uh reboot, whatever you want to do. It have to be a period piece so that we can go back to that time when the when New York was grimy and gritty. Like they come out to our time. And like Jack like as far as Jack Slater is concerned, the last time that he came out of the movie was in 1993. So right. now he comes out in 2018, 25 years later, and he's like, what happened? Where's the New York that I remember, you know? I don't right. know why he's Italian now, but... <laughs> so, but, okay, go ahead. go ahead. I just say one last thing. I think it would be even better if there had been a million Jack Slater movies, <laughs> but now he's literally this old in 2018. Right. And he has to come out. You know what I mean? Like, but they go to every Jack Slater movie, and then it's like, however many Jack Slater movies there, there's been, twenty Jack Slater movies, thirty Jack Slater movies. You have thirty Arnolds in the movie. Or, and even better, as as you're watching the movie, like in the real world, there's snippets on TV or people Netflixing the old Jack Slater movies, and it's like CGI Arnie, whatever year it is, just doing every cliche from that year. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, in, like, 1993, Jack Slater, or, like, later on, like, Jack Slater's fighting grunge people, and there's grunge music in it, and you just keep going. It, oh, my God, we should write this movie. Well, I think we've already written it, Todd. Mm-hmm. So. So, I love this movie. I think it was great. Um, it's, so, I understand where the problems with the film the film are. Nowhere. Okay, so, first of all, it's too long. It, it two hours for it's like it's an, over two hours long. It's like two hours and like seven minutes, whatever it is. Oh, nitpicking! Don't nitpick everything, Joe. You could if, over two hours, even if it's by a minute, is too long. Mm-hmm. You could have cut out the entire subplot that the daughter was such a supposed to be a big part of the film because mm-hmm. her story really has no end. Like, which there's going to be the sequel though. Okay, it was going to be the sequel. But in this movie, she shows up at the Liberia Tar Pits to give him the new clothes, and then she's never seen again. Right. There could have been a thing where, like, Benedict pulls her out of the uh, out of the movie into the real world, you know? Okay. Right. Or well, goes here's... after the actress who's playing her. Here's you know, but... the thing, though, Joe. In the, I do believe, and this is going to be so weird logic. Are you ready for this, like, screwed up? T- in the movie, we never got to the end of Jack Slater 4. That's true. So she was probably a part of Jack Slater 4, but because once Vivaldi gets killed by Benedict and he goes out into the real world, Jack Slater 4 becomes irrelevant. And he goes, and it's like, all right, everything that's in that movie is now gone. It's just me and Slater in the real world. And, you know, now Greenwich, maybe she should have been at the premiere Right. Uh, the actress. That's what I'm and saying, I, yeah. Right. But uh, maybe had her in that. But the whole thing of her being not, you know, we never get the end of her actual story in uh, Jack Slater 4. But I get you. And the other mistake that I really think that they make is I think it would have helped that girl's career if whatever name 
she was it, the the fake actress actress name in the movie was actually her real name. Right. Like that's like like you can't have Arnold Schwarzenegger as Jack Slater, and then you can't have so and so as the actress asterisk, actress so and so playing Whitney. Right. Does that make any sense? Yes, absolutely. And I just want to say abdominal stretch there because oh, I can't my say goodness. actress, but. So the other problem that I have with this movie, and again, I guess pr- problem is a strong word, mm-hmm. but the tone of the movie is all over the place. Like once Jack comes, like once we get to the end scene before the funeral in Jack Slater four, and then up to when Jack comes over into the real world, you can't pin down what the tone of this movie is. Mm-hmm. And I think at this time, you needed a, a more linear story. You couldn't throw in all these different tones. If you want to have a movie that's a parody of action movie tropes and then like flip it on its head when the action movie trope comes into the real world, great. But when you start having him in the movie world, start to have the existential crisis about his own life, mm-hmm. and then when he comes into the real world having to deal with all these problems as well in such a heavy way. Like the scene that you mentioned where he says to like Jack Slater says to Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, like about the thing of like, you ruined my life sort of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's very heady for what this movie is supposed to be like a dumb take on action movie tropes. I get what you're saying. And that's why I said earlier on, like this movie is very schizophrenic. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that and that's what what killed it, and obviously going up against Jurassic Park. So, right, and as we had discussed uh, before with the uh, history of this film, how there were issues with the movie where they moved Jurassic Park up a week, mm-hmm. and they were thinking about moving this movie ending up to be later, especially since as you know we talked about they were doing reshoots on the film up to the week that it was released. It's a bomb. Right. Go ahead. <laughs> And it was just like, they just decided, they're like, nope, we're going to go with it. We've invested so much money in the advertising of this film, we can't move the date, you know? Right. Um, I think it was something like, uh, just looking over the thing, it was like, it had seven video games, a toy line, a $20 million Burger King promotion, a $36 million theme park ride, a NASA paid advertisement, plus, I forgot about this when we were talking about it last week. Uh, was a four-story inflatable Jack Slater that they took around to movie premieres. Which was actually at the premiere in the movie. Right. <laughs> so, uh, which is fantastic. Um, they got it from the, they got it from the same people who made ACDC's it big inflatable whole lot of Rosie, I think. <laughs> which they used to have one. Till it melted on the lights at Wilkesbury during their uh, rock and roll train tour. <sighs> that did happen, by the way. But uh, did you end up watching the video? Of course. How great is Arnie in the schoolboy outfit trying to uh, do the rock beat? Just running around, like, pumping his fist? It's so awkward, Joe. So awkward. It's like, nope, we don't do a second take on this. Let's keep going. <laughs> That's right. He's like Calculon from Futurama. Oh. I don't do second takes. Working some, working a, a surprise look it's from some B-roll. But uh, when he's doing the duck walk, too, with the guitar, oh, my God. Fantastic. Arnie's the best. That's the second best 
out of the two, which video do you think is better? The uh, uh, You Could Be My and Terminator 2 video with Arnie or uh, Big Guns ACDC? Uh, Big Guns. I think so, too. Yeah. Just, I'm not even talking about mu- music-wise. No, just video. Uh, right. If you just watched both silently. <laughs> because in You Could Be Mine, it's not Arnold, it's the Terminator. In uh, Big Gun, it's both Jack Slater and Arnold Schwarzenegger. What's his name? Arnold Schwarzenegger? Uh, Arnold I'm... Braunschweiger. <laughs> yes. The famous Arnold comedian. Braun... Yes. Oh. <laughs> oh. Did we, did we cover everything, Joe? Uh, I think we did enough on this movie. We could, we could do another, you know, 80 minutes, but nobody watches the clock like that except for you. Oh, I didn't watch any clock. Oh my God. Is that how long we've been doing this? Yes. <laughs> Holy shit. All right, so uh, longboxheroes.com, soon to be named network, and uh, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Thanks for bearing with us on this one. Hey, if you didn't watch Last Action Hero, this should have convinced you to go to your local library (laughs) and take this movie out. Uh, Go spend the three bucks to get it on Amazon or whatever. I don't know, does Redbox have old movies or just is it just new stuff? It's. I think it's only new stuff, but they should have Last Action Hero in every red box. Absolutely, especially since Jack Slater's <sighs> trademark color is red. Oh, that is true, Joe. By the way, what we should do is we should get. Uh, uh, I was going to say Dropbox. What's it called? Redbox. 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 We should get Redbox to as a sponsor for the show, and they could have all twelve of our movies just in every red box across the country. As a promotional device. Right. The they're movies sy- they're synced about, up with our discussion. Yeah. The movies talked about on Longbox Heroes After Dark. <laughs> it would just, it would sweep the nation. Uh, I could certainly hope so. Mm, it sweeps something, the leg maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, we'll catch you all here next week. <laughs>